0: You're listening to the Dave Rothenberg Show podcast on ESPNNewYork.com.
1: Dan Gross is sitting in for Dave here on this Saturday AM on 98.7 ESPN. 800-919-3776 is our telephone number. Don't forget to get me on Twitter, as always, at Dan Gross at G-R-A-C-A. As I'm flying today with my buddy Ty Butler, who's producing the program here on this busy sports Saturday. A lot of things to get to, as you could imagine, here with everything percolating in the world of sports. We'll do a little NBA stuff later on. We'll also get into the football with camps in full swing here with both the Giants and the Jets. We're already dealing with some quarterback concerns around the National Football League. I was out at Florham Park yesterday at Jet Camp, so I'll give you some thoughts, impressions once we uh, get to that part of the program here. And don't forget, we're only a couple of weeks away from our first broadcast here on eight It'll be myself, Greg Buttle, Bob O'Shuzan, Marty Lyons and the like here. Jets-Giants preseason game numero uno. It'll be the Giant home game this year, right? So I believe that's August the 14th. So yeah, a couple of weeks. We are inching closer and closer to the start of the preseason. So we'll get to all that stuff uh, a little bit later on. But we'll start with the baseball because why? Well... How about that trade deadline? That's why. I, I mean, think as far as back as I can remember, when you're talking about the deadline and you're talking about baseball, that had to be as crazy, as frantic a trade deadline as I can ever remember, ever. I mean, when you just see the sheer enormity of guys that got moved and really over the last couple of days. But even on deadline day itself, it was crazy. You had 10 all-stars from this year alone get traded. And both teams, certainly here in New York, the Mets and the Yankees were active and made moves they felt necessary to be able to have a successful finish to their season. We'll see if they work out, and certainly I have a lot of thoughts on those. But before we get into the moves and all the back and forth, we'll start with the Mets. Um, Look, it's been an interesting ride for the Mets this year. It goes without saying. And I think that if you followed the journey from start to finish, or if you're a Met fan and have been a Met fan for quite some time, yesterday, in my opinion, right, that kind of typified what it means to be a fan of the New York Metropolitans. From the minute you waked up in the morning, from the minute you went to bed. You know, first and foremost, let's, let, let, let's do it somewhat chronologically, if you will, Okay. You wake up and you see everywhere you go, black jerseys, black jerseys, black jerseys. Black jerseys are back for the Mets. They're going to wear black jerseys. Okay, great. I said it many times. I got nothing against the black jerseys. They're only going to wear them a few times this year, Friday nights. Cool. I'm fine with that. I just didn't need to see them every single game like it used to be way back, you know, in 99 and 2000 with Piazza and company when they were, you know, vying for a World Series. It almost became like their primary uniform. It's not the Mets. You know, so once in a while, I'm cool with it. And, you know, it was kind of, you know, nostalgic to see them out there last night wearing the uniform. Okay, that's great. So then yesterday was deadline day. Four o'clock came. And he knew that the Mets needed some help. You know, if the Mets wanted to get to the finish line in this god-awful National League East, which they have somehow, some way, been able to lead pretty consistently the entire season— Because none of those other teams in the National League East have decided that, you know what, yeah, we're going to just jump up and take first place from you, you know? So the Mets have been able to lead this division by default, primarily. But you wanted this team to go out there and do something significant, right? You wanted Sandy Alderson, Zach Scott to go out there and bring in some reinforcements to help this team get to the finish line. I thought they could benefit most from starting pitching for obvious reasons. But if you were talking about true difference makers in the starting rotation, the guy who was at the top of the list was Max Scherzer. Max Scherzer wasn't coming to the Mets. All right? They reached out. They tried. But Max wanted no part of it. Plus, Washington was not too keen to ship him to a division rival in New York. He ends up in L.A. with the Dodgers. So the Mets have to go to plan B. They kick the Dyers on Jose Barrios with the Minnesota Twins. And look, Jose Barrios is a nice pitcher. But Jose Barrios isn't a true difference maker to what Max Scherzer is. You know, Jose Barrios, even on a really good team, in my opinion, is no more than a 2 at best, maybe even a 3 if you have pitching depth that you're satisfied with. And the other thing about Jose Barrios, in his career post-All-Star break, guy's got an ERA approaching 5. Is that the guy you want to put into your rotation when you're coming down the stretch in a pennant race? I know I don't. So they end up with Javi Baez and Trevor Williams from the Chicago Cubs. And they give up Pete Crow Armstrong, who was their first-round pick last year. All right, fine, whatever. This isn't one of those situations like with the Jared Kelnick trade where you say, how do you trade a first-round pick? I mean, he's already undergone surgery, and I hope he has a great career, but who knows how far away he was going to be from the big league club. I'm not going to sit here and scream and cry that they parted ways with you know, Pete Crow Armstrong. Javi Baez is a rental. He's a free agent at the end of the year. All right, and he can fill shortstop until Lindor is ready. That's great. And then when Lindor comes back, you hope to put him at second base. Then you got a dynamic up-the-middle infield combination. They know each other. They're buddies. Fantastic. You know, they also got Trevor Williams in the deal from the Chicago Cubs. And it's so funny. You see Zach Scott sitting there talking about Trevor Williams. And he's like, oh, yeah, Trevor Williams is great. You know, he's going to add a lot to our pitching depth. And uh, we sent him down to AAA. Yeah. So that tells you all you need to know about Trevor Williams and what they think about him. Um Biggest need was starting pitching, they didn't get it. But am I going to sit here and complain about Javi Baez? No, of course not. You know, they need as many pieces as possible. Now, in a perfect world, you hope that Javi Baez catches fire and has a final two months of the season like he's been playing over the last 30 days. Because, you know, he really got off to a bad start this year. A bad start. But the last 30 days are when, like I said, you know, he's been a lot better. Month of July, his slash line is 324, 355, and 535. You take that any day of the week. If this is the type of baseball that you get from Baez for the last two months of the season, you run with it. You run with it. Still strikes out a hell of a lot. Not a big on-base guy. Doesn't get a lot of walks. He only got 15 walks this year. Think about that. 15 walks. This is a guy who plays every single day. 131Ks to 15 strikeouts. That's a brutal strikeout-to-walk ratio. But, you know what? He's an aggressive... Hit her at the plate. That's his approach. You just hope he makes contact more often than he whiffs. If you're the Mets, then you get to usually what happens in Metland, right? It's called that other shoe dropping, and you get to the worst news of the day. And remember, we're not even at the game yet, right? We're not even to seven o'clock. We're not even at the game. You find out that Jacob Degrom suffered a setback as he's been on the sidelines here dealing with some forearm inflammation, tightness, and now it's traveled up to his elbow. And then earlier in the day, I noticed that a couple of the writers were reporting that Jacob DeGrom didn't throw at all yesterday. You remember, he's been throwing pretty routinely, even if it was just you know, gradual stuff out in the outfield, not even on a mound, just flat ground. And then he didn't throw yesterday. And that raised a few alarms. And you're like, well, what does this mean? That, that's a little odd for him not even to do any tossing to then only find out that, yeah, he suffered a setback and it's moved into his elbow. And they're going to shut him down for a couple of weeks, which in a perfect world, best case scenario, you're not going to see DeGrom until September. And when I say best case scenario, I'm going to be honest with you, and nothing pains my heart more. That is less than 50-50 that you're even going to see him in September, in my opinion. All right? I was not confident when he went down and was sidelined earlier this month. Anytime you hear forearm, you worry. And anytime you have a commodity like Jacob deGrom and what he means to this baseball team. I said it then. I'll say it now. If Jacob deGrom is not part of this Mets rotation Moving forward through the rest of the season, guess what? They're not winning anything. They're winning absolutely nothing. And you think about that historical start he's had to the year, right? When we were sitting here talking about forget about the Cy Young. Remember, they were already engraving his name on the Cy Young. Like, we didn't have to let the season play itself out. We were just like, hey, just give it to him now. It's going to be his anyway. We were sitting there talking about him for the MVP. League MVP. And now he might miss the entire second half of the season, which is just incredible. To think that that would be the reality back in May when he was dominating the sport. Dominating the sport. So that just takes the wind out of your sails entirely. And then it's like, oh, yeah, there's a game. Got to play a game. Uh, the heck with the game. You almost didn't even want to play the game. Because that news was bad enough as it is. And then forget about the game. I mean, the game is what the game is, right? It was nice to see Carrasco out there. He battled, you know, but he's a work in progress. I didn't think he was that bad, right? Did a decent job. Got in and out of there in four innings. They're bringing him along slowly, as you knew that they would, and as they're going to continue to do. You can't send a guy out there his first start of the year and and expect him to throw, you know, 100 pitches. You're not going to get that. But I thought it was a step in the right direction. And now, given everything that's transpired with DeGrom, you need a guy like Carrasco to stay healthy for the rest of the season and take the baseball every five days. Because it's funny, when you look at this starting rotation right now, it's crazy. Like, I was talking about this with Ty before the show started. If you would have told me that on July 31st, who's still standing right now in this Mets rotation, The guy that I might feel most comfortable with when he takes the mound is Tyler McGill. But that's reality. You know, Taiwan Walker, the guy was the Mets MVP the first three months of the season, not named Jacob DeGrom. He was that good and deservedly got an all-star appearance from it. But since the all-star game, I I mean, where is this guy? Is he still in Colorado at the all-star game? Can they go back and get him? He he's been a a mystery since then. You know, Strowman's up been up and down the last couple of months, but McGill's been solid, and it's like, wow, that's the guy who you look at as somebody that could stabilize things. But every guy who is still standing and still healthy and still able to take the baseball for this team, they got to contribute. They got to go out there and do their thing because it's slim pickings right now. It really and truly is. So the pitching is a concern, and the offense continues to be a big problem. They're just not producing. They go MIA way too frequently. You know, Michael Conforto, again, another nightmare performance last night. Guy's batting under 200. And this is a guy before the season started that you wanted to give $200 million to or more than $200 million to? Good luck. Good luck with that. You know, next time he and Scott Boris brainstorm, what do you think the price tag is going to be that they're going to set? I think it's going to be a hell of a lot lower than that. At least it should be. You know, and I like Michael Conforto. I wanted him to be here long-term. Wanted him to be a major piece of this team. You know, former first-round draft pick, a guy you bring into the organization, guy performed for you in the World Series. You know, you wanted him to be a foundation piece. Now, I, I, I mean, there's legitimate questions. Because the one thing that's defined Conforto's career is he is – severely inconsistent severely and now he's having the worst season of his career at, at the worst time for him going into his walk year. then Luis Rojas meets the media after the game and he decides to you know drop a little another hammer on everybody oh yeah and by the way uh Brandon Nemo felt a little tightness in his hamstring uh and he wasn't going to take that final at bat there when he was making a catch in the outfield great you know Nimmo's another guy who disappears for, like, months at a time because of injuries, and then they finally get him back, and he's playing really well, and he's producing, and now he might be gone for whoever knows how long. You know that they're going to treat him like kid gloves. I'd be shocked if he's in the lineup tonight. You know, you could almost pencil him in for another injured list stint. So they're dropping like flies. Dropping like flies. But, which has been again, the other main theme with the Mets all season long, once the dust settles in the evening, You look at the out-of-town scoreboard, and what happened? The Braves lose, and the Phillies lose. Neither one of those teams have any desire right now, apparently, to take over the top spot in the National League East. None of them do. So there's still three and a half up on Philly, still four up on Atlanta. But this can't last all season, can it? I I mean, eventually, eventually things have to at least restore themselves, and these other two teams are maybe going to start playing more consistent baseball. Because they're healthier than the Mets are right now. And the Mets are, and the Braves are missing the best player out of any of the teams in Ronald Acuna Jr. And look at what Atlanta did at the deadline, too, yesterday. They basically remade their outfield and brought in a couple of potentially impact bats, which should concern you. And if you need one more punch to the gut, if you were a Mets fan on the out-of-town scoreboard, Matt Harvey last night, another win for him, now up to 18 scoreless innings the Baltimore Orioles? (laughs) The Grom gets shut down and Harvey's out there looking like 2013 Matt Harvey all of a sudden. You can't can't make it up. It's par for the course if you follow the New York Mets.
0: You're listening to the Dave Rothenberg Show podcast on ESPNNewYork.com
1: Get me on Twitter at Dan Gross at G-R-A-C-A. So... You know, there's always this th- this theory, and-, and some people, you know, are-, are staunchly opposed to it, that when a fan goes to a game and they see a player that's struggling, and then the boo birds break out, like, that's the worst thing in the world. Like, how dare you boo somebody? Oh, my God. It's like, you know, it's like you're committing a crime. And I'm not saying I'm pro or anti-booing. Like, I- I'm not going to ever say I'm taking a hard-line stance or whatever, but I I, I am firmly opposed to saying that it's it- it's never all right to boo what are you talking about you know if you're a fan and you pay your hard-earned money to go to a game you could boo you could boo as long as you don't cross the line as long as you're not throwing things as long as you're not you know using vile language at somebody that then who what's a few boo birds who cares As I always like to say, you know what? The booing comes from a place where you want the player to succeed. You want the player to perform more than anything else. That's where the booing comes from. You don't just go out there and boo because, oh, I'm in a mood to boo and I just want to go out there and be miserable. like Nobody wants to do that. You want to go out there and you want to cheer. You want to have a good time. You want your team to win. You want your players to perform like you hope they will. And so I guess that the fans last night at City Field were getting on Michael Conforto often because, you know, he had another offer, struck out a few times in what's just been a season to forget for him. So Francisco Lindor, again, was like the team spokesman after the game last night on the subject of booing. Because remember, this is something that he talked about earlier in the year in his own case, because he was getting booed a lot. And he said he don't like it. He's out there trying. He's trying to win, but he hates when the fans are booing. And and I can appreciate that from his side of things, because guess what? No player wants to get booed either. But what kind of cracked me up last night is that Lindor took to the podium after the game last night and again was talking about the subject of booing again. But the funny thing about it is, is that he's not even playing. Like, he, he's, he's hurt. He's not even in the lineup. And it's kind of ironic because, well, wait a sec. Here you got a guy, right, who's woefully underperformed to his contract this year. Woefully underperformed. Now he's not even out on the field. And who knows when we're going to see him again. What, another four weeks? So this season has been a wash for him completely. A massive disappointment, given what the expectations were. But this was Francisco last night after the game on the subject of the fans booing.
2: The guys are doing great. The guys are doing great. They're competing. They're, they're going out there. They're grinding. They're playing hard. Um, I believe the only series that we lost was the one against the Braves just now. Um, but even though it was good games, you know, uh, and today it's just, um, we had chances. We just couldn't, um, come through, but the guys are doing great. The guys, they grind, they compete, they have fun, they enjoy the ride. Um, uh, and they're, they're doing, they're doing fine. Uh, um, it was today, the crowd was, it was fun to watch, you know, seeing the crowd, um, coming out I I hate seeing the crowd booing our players um, it sucks you know but um, the crowd it was fun it gave me a little um, taste of what players would be like in New York you know it was, they're they're loud they were into the game it was a little cooler um, and the uniform uniforms look sick so yeah it was it was a little taste of what playoffs could be like here the only thing that was sick was the lineup,
1: you know, and trying to manufacture runs. That's the only thing that was sick. But again, like, I, I get it. You know, he's in the clubhouse. He's part of the team. All those guys that are getting booed out there, there is his teammates, there is friends, there is buddies, they're a close-knit group. So they're not going to like it. But, I mean, you got you to come back to me. And I like Lindor, and I want him to succeed more than anybody. But you got to come back to me. Stop with the great. The guys are doing great. The guys are playing great. What is your definition of great? You know, what, what is that? In the last 30 games, you know what the Mets record is? It's 14 and 16. Is that great to you? I mean, my God, if, if, think about like when you were in school. Imagine getting like, you know, a, a C- on your report card in like every subject. And then you actually like somebody tells you you're doing great. That's that's not great, you know, and if you were in another division in Major League Baseball, you wouldn't be in first place. That's why you got to take a step back, and and they need a little reality check, all right? You just, you're fortunate that you're in the worst division in the sport, and that is why you're in first place, but who's doing great on this team? Really, who's doing great? There was one guy this year who was doing great, and he's probably not going to throw another pitch again the rest of the season. Mets and Yankees have the same record, folks. I don't know if you've been paying attention to the standings. Now they've got the same exact record. Mets now basically have the same record as the team that beat them last night in the Cincinnati Reds. And that was a team that I left for dead weeks ago. So that is what the measuring stick is here. Great. Seattle Mariners have a better record than the Mets still. Seattle Mariners basically, you know, the general manager drove a wedge into that clubhouse with one of the deals he made this week before the deadline. And they're doing great. That's the And, and, you know, Francisco's not the only athlete that comes into this city to play who didn't grow up in New York, didn't grow up in this pressure cooker when it comes to sports, and doesn't really know what the environment is like and what the expectations are and what the demands are. See, you, you know, that type of stuff maybe works in Cleveland, where he played his whole career. And that's a pretty intense fan base there. It's not like New York, but still. Some places you go, you know, you go to St. Louis, for example. That's why everybody talks about, you know, they want to play for the Cardinals. St. Louis, they'll never boo you. They'll never boo you. You could go 0 for 20, and they're going to give you a standing ovation when you come to the plate. Not New York. They expect a lot. You know? And when you're winning, that's what everybody says. There's no place like New York. Yeah, it's true. Because they are loyal. They are faithful. But they're also demanding. And that's not a bad thing. No way, no how. But... Great, I mean, come back to me, please come back to me, Anthony and Freehold. First up here on 98.7 ESPN. Anthony, good morning.
3: Dan, good morning. How are you? Good, Anthony. What's up? Nothing much. I just uh, I want to I want to touch on the Mets and I want to touch on the Yankees, if I may. I'm yeah. I'm going to preface this with I'm not a I'm not a Mets fan. Okay. Um I'm a diehard Yankee fan, but with with knowing that Degrom's going to be out for two weeks. How don't you go get a starting pitcher and and p- probably more probably going to be out longer? How don't you go out and get an Andrew Heaney or you know anyone for that matter? <laughs> wait wait you're, wait, you're wait, gonna, wait wait
1: wait wait. Time out one second one second okay. Go ahead. And you said you're a Yankee fan. I get it. Yeah. I I just said in the I don't know if you heard my opening remarks. If you're t- first of all you're not going to ever be able to replace a Jacob Degrom. There's no one guy you're going to be able to go out there and get. Okay. But the only guy on the open market this year who was available for trade that could any way, shape, or form even come close to filling the Jacob DeGrom shoes was Max Scherzer. Max Scherzer. And the Mets inquired about Max Scherzer, but the Nationals, A, were not trading him here. And Max Scherzer has a no-trade clause to where he could pretty much approve where he wants to go. He wanted to go out to the West Coast. There was no other guy out there to that caliber that would have replaced DeGrom. And, I mean, Andrew Heaney, of all people. Andrew Heaney is – I mean, you're not getting the second coming of Ron Guidry.
3: Let's put it that way. Uh, yeah, right, Dan. Dan but I'm not, I'm not saying, you know, replace DeGrom. I'm saying, you know, just to get you to DeGrom when he gets back. But my, he might not my 20th, come back. My, was, right, exactly. That's that's my that's my biggest point. But you, they've got you, enough. No they've picking. got enough guys.
1: Uh, they've got enough guys that are going to you know those kind of like middle of the rotation type guys to be able to you know stem the tide, if you will, Anthony. I don't think they needed any more of them. You know they have enough of those guys. But if you're talking about a true difference maker, there wasn't one to be had outside of Max Scherzer.
3: Yeah, I, I I see where you're coming from. I I, I you know I agree. Um, but my my point about the Yankees is, you know, all the uh, all the Mets fans, you know, love to call up the stations and you know about two weeks ago and 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 laugh about you know what the Yankees were at and you know we we literally did a 460 on turning our year around. Um, I just wanted to kind of get your opinion on on. You know, if the Red Sox are catchable, I I don't believe they are at this point. Um, but with, you know, 60 games left in the season, um, you know, do you do you think that the Yankees would get a wild card? And my last question is, Dan, I, I know I'm throwing a lot at you, mm-hmm. um, but do you think that the Yankees could – possibly keep Rizzo after this year. I know we got to pay a lot of guys. Right. Thanks, Dan. Have a good weekend.
1: Anthony, I uh, appreciate the phone call. I'll, I'll get into all the Yankee stuff, answering every single question that Anthony threw at me, including the acquisitions, including Andrew Heaney, Outlook for the rest of the season. And, yeah, there is optimism with this baseball team. 100% there is optimism.
0: You're listening to the Dave Rothenberg Show podcast on ESPNNewYork.com.
1: For those of you that were sweating Team USA basketball and their performance at the beginning of the Olympics when they dropped that shocker in the opener and they bounced back against an Iran team that, quite frankly, I don't even know how they even qualified for the Olympics. I mean, that team was trash. Seriously, I, I don't know, you know, like I said, geographically, how they divvy up the bids as to who gets in, who doesn't get in. But watching that Iran team play basketball, like I don't even know how they were one of the whatever 12 teams that made it from across the world. And now they play their third game today and they after a sluggish start, you know, they're running away with a laffer victory over the Czech Republic. I think they're up by 35 like a minute to go. So, USA is going to be in the medal round. They're going to probably take care of business there and all the fears will be brushed aside. So, it's funny. I mean, I guess, you know, Greg Popovich slightly miscalculated when he said that, you know, USA doesn't blow anybody out anymore because, you know, now they got back-to-back blowout victories. But, you know, that's Popovich. Popovich, he tries, you know, he's been at this thing long enough And he's kind of like a puppet master, and he tries to control the media and control the narrative, but, you know, if you do a little homework, you do a little fact-checking, you can call him out on it. So, uh, see, they do actually blow people out. As far as the Yankees are concerned, though, I said at the beginning of the show, okay, you're a Yankee fan. It's amazing what the feeling is now like for this team today compared to what it was just a few short days ago. Right, And a couple of moves, a couple of deft strokes by Brian Cashman has completely just altered the outlook of this organization. Now, look, are they a perfect team? No. Do they still have glaring holes and needs? Absolutely. 100%. And are they up against it still? Yeah, no doubt. You know, because unlike the Mets, for example, the Yankees still play in a really, really good division where the Tampa Bay Rays are a really, really good baseball team. Boston Red Sox, same with them. You know, and even the Toronto Blue Jays, who, by the way, you know, give Toronto credit. And I was pretty confident that they would do it. You know, they made a couple of splashy moves at the trade deadline, even though they're a fourth place team. And I thought that it would be irresponsible if they didn't, because yesterday was Toronto's first game back in Canada in two years. So those fans up there, they've been waiting to see this Blue Jay team up close and personal, right? Right. All this exciting young talent led by Vlad Jr. You know, you got an exciting group. You want to make a big splash going up back home, and they did. You know, and give that management credit up there. They had glaring needs in the bullpen. They went out and brought in Brad Hand and, and Joaquin Soria. And then they brought in an upper rotation type starting pitcher in, in Jose Berrios, despite the fact he's got a f- close to five ERA after the All-Star break in his career, which we discussed. But still, they went out there and made moves. So this is not going to be easy. For the Yankees. They aren't going to just, like, waltz back into contention here and maybe to the top of the division like you would hope, even though bringing in a couple of impact bats there. And they're going to be in a dogfight when it comes to the wild card. But so far, they're one for one. So far, everything is great in Yankee land. You know, you had one of the new acquisitions, and Anthony Rizzo go out there and get them on the board, get them off and running yesterday with the home run. You know, and that was a great, you know, more so than the Gallo move. I love the Rizzo move. Rizzo brings so much to your baseball team. You know, even if he's not going to overwhelm you with the stat sheet, the dude's a gold glover at first base, and you always want a good glove at first base, right? Oh, you know, think about it. You know, it's, it's Don Mattingly who manned first base, right? Who was as good a glove as anybody outside of the guy playing across town in Keith Hernandez at first base. You know, and then they've had guys along the way. You know, even Tino Martinez was no slouch with the glove. You know, Mark Teixeira was fantastic when it came to the glove. You know, and now you put Rizzo over there. You like to have a good defensive first baseman. It's he's something I'm kind of, like, stubborn about. And then Gallo, even though he, you know, had a couple of tough A-Bs last night, but he still got a hold of one where he flew out on the warning track that looked like off the bat it might have gone, and it might have gone in a lot of ballparks, but Marlins Park is, like, one of the most cavernous outfields in all the Major League Baseball. And how about maybe the most shocking development of the night yesterday, if you're sitting down watching the Yankee game? Giancarlo Stanton with a glove in left field. I, I mean, I thought I was seeing the Loch Ness Monster out there. Like, oh, my God, he can play the field. And how many times it was like, yes, going to rerun, like, those clips of him actually catching routine fly balls during the game. <laughs> like, oh, my God. Is that what is that what we're measuring success over now? A guy making over $30 million a year? takes a few steps in to catch a fly ball, and now we're going to sit there and you know, put him in the Hall of Fame and we got to keep racking it up like it's highlights? Oh, my gosh. But, hey, that's what, that's what Giancarlo Stanton is right now. That's where he is in his career. And, you know, you hold your breath every time he's out there. You hold your breath and you hope that he's not going to disappear on the injured list for a month. Because that's what I think the Yankees are afraid of, and that's why the Yankees were waiting as long as they did to get him back there in the field. But now you're going to have to. Because now you have more capable bats that you have to put in the lineup each and every day if you're Aaron Boone. I don't love Aaron Judge in center field on a daily basis. Um, I don't. And you know that they're going to work around that. You know, Brett Gardner's still going to get some reps in center. And you can never get rid of Brett Gardner, God forbid. I mean, the guy's going to be around probably. He's going to outlive us all, Brett Gardner. And then when it comes to the pitching, you know what? Jamison Tyone, it's been great. It's been great. And give him credit. He did not it off to a good start. And this is a guy who didn't pitch much the previous two years. And I was hard on. And I, you know, said, what are you doing bringing in this guy and the results you're getting or what you expect? But he's leveled off here. And he has been a guy that you can count on the last couple of months. And a testament to him. He's been through a lot. He's been through a lot. But let's hear from some of the Yanks, right? Let's hear from some of the new look Bombers. A Bombers team that you feel good about. How about Mr. Rizzo with the home run last night?
4: Um honestly I did I
1: don't
2: even think I gave it thought. Um I was just happy to just once we got to B P and just get into that routine of uh hitting the cage before, then going to B P, taking grounders, get into that routine, it's just baseball and then uh putting the jersey on before the game, seeing seeing the New York across your chest. Uh it's just different. It's different. I was very fortunate to wear the Cubs jersey and that's a different jersey as well, but you put this one on, it's just one of those different jerseys, and uh, felt really good. The other thing, and I didn't
1: know this, you know, Rizzo, who's a kid who grew up in Florida, right? But his parents are both from Jersey, North Jersey. So he said that he spent a lot of his summers growing up as a kid up here with his family, visiting, you know, relatives, grandparents, and whatnot. And he used to go to some Yankee games, and he was like a big Yankee fan, apparently. Like, I, I, don't, I don't know how hard... Of a Yankee fan or how you know diehard of a Yankee fan he was. You know, you'd have to ask him. But he was at the David Cohn game in 1999, the perfect game. And it's interesting because it's like you you, you seem to it's one of those things where you know you hear guys like David Cohn or whatever say, you know, th- there's been a hundred thousand people that were at that game that day, because so many people come up to him and say, Oh yeah, I was at that game. I was like and I guess Anthony Rizzo was one of them. Now I'm saying that he wasn't at the game, but it's just ironic how Just coming up in the summers, he just so happened to be at Yankee Stadium the day where David Cohn makes history and throws the perfect game. So, look, he's got a little bit of Yankee history already in his blood, the fact that he was in the ballpark that day in the Bronx, which is good to see. Um, Joey Gallo's another guy who has roots to this area. You know, his father grew up in Queens before the family moved uh, to Nevada, which is where he ultimately grew up. Joey Gallo, he actually grew up playing baseball – in Nevada, you know, the Vegas area, with Chris Bryant. Uh, It was Chris Bryant, it was uh, Gallo and Bryce Harper. They all kind of, like, grew up together, like, knowing each other. So, that was pretty cool to see. And Gallo, they actually gave him the old number 13, which has not been worn by anybody in a New York Yankee organization since the one and only A-Rod. So how did Gallo feel about being the first Yankee to wear that number?
2: Yeah, so, I mean, growing up, obviously, huge Yankee fan. And, um, you know, Derek Jeter was always the number I wanted to be, number two. And uh, I liked Alex Rodriguez as well. He was a, a player I tried to emulate.
4: I played third base and whatnot. I hit home runs. And uh, number two was always taken on every
2: team. So, you know, 13 from when I was probably 10 years old has been my number. So that was just kind of the number that I that I went to and kind of found luck with that number.
1: You know, it's amazing. Almost overnight, and maybe this is a little extreme, I don't know, but overnight to me, the Yankees have become a much more likable group, right? I mean, for those that aren't Yankee fans, and I'm not one, but they are a much more likable group with the additions of just two guys. Like, these two guys I genuinely like. You know, these are some of my favorite players to watch in and around baseball when they were still on their other teams. You know, Gallo's going to hit a ton of home runs at Yankee Stadium. And he got them next year, too. Let's not forget. And I mentioned it yesterday on the morning show when, when Chris Canty and I were doing DCR. You know, go to Baseball Savant, the website, and batted balls, meaning like everyone that's put in play this year for Joey Gallo. You know how many batted balls that he's had this year that ended up being outs, would have been home runs in Yankee Stadium that would have landed beyond the fence at Yankee Stadium? A lot. A lot. Over 20. Now, look, you're not going to play every single game in your home ballpark. I get that. But that's a good place to start. And Gallo's going to be productive. And Gallo's going to play. And play well, I think, for this baseball team. And so will Rizzo. But it's just... it's and There's no kind of... There's no sort of, like, evil empire type of ties to these moves, if you know what I'm saying, right? This isn't like when the Yankees went out there and got Stanton, the highest paid player, when they didn't really need him, right? This wasn't a case when the Yankees went out there and brought in A-Rod, or they went and got the biggest, you know, high-priced ticket acquisition, whatever it was, and just kept adding on, adding on. No, none of this. You know, these were two guys who represented areas of need for this baseball team, which, let's face it, Brian Cashman should have adjusted in the offseason, but he didn't, but now he did. And it's better late than never, but it's still going to be an uphill climb. You know, I don't think they're winning the division because Boston is not going to come back to the pack, and neither is Tampa Bay. So the best the Yankees are going to have to hope for, I think, is getting one of those wild card spots. And they're going to be in this thing with the Oakland A's, with Toronto. For now, it's Seattle, but like I said, I don't know where Seattle stands right now. I really and truly don't. They won last night in Texas, but Texas is garbage, so you can't measure it off of that. But that Seattle dressing room right now in that clubhouse, I I, I think there's a little bit of, like, still animosity going on with the front office. Now, they could rally around each other and go out there and win and maybe surprisingly steal the playoff berth, but if you want to go by history alone, Remember, Seattle has the longest active playoff drought in the history, not the history, but in North American team sports. They have not been to the playoffs in 20 years. So based on that alone, what would make you think that this year would be the year that they turn it around? Probably not going to, right? But you still got to fend off Toronto. You still got to fend off Oakland. That's not going to be easy for the Yankees. But the good thing for them is, is while they're still trying to integrate these new pieces and while they're trying to, you know, figure out the lineup and how Aaron Boone is going to approach it each and every day, and I should say as Brian Cashman in the front office and the analytics geeks approach it each and every day, look at the schedule, right? You know, you got the Marlins this weekend who take care of business. Then you got Baltimore coming in next week, take care of business. Then you got those Mariners coming in next week for four. That's going to be a big series. And then they go to Kansas City after that, the Yankees, a team that's, obviously falling on hard times despite that hot start they got off to in the first month of the season, and it's been very underwhelming since. So at least the schedule is a little bit more acclimating for themselves to be able to get everybody on the same page here, and maybe they take off a little bit and continue to play a brand of baseball that will maybe result in a wild card spot at the end of the season. And you worry about that then when you get to it. All right, don't worry about now, well, you know, Cole going to pitch the game, and what if he can't pitch that game? What if they need him to pitch before, and so on and so on. Don't worry about that. Just go out there and take care of business each and every game, and then when it's all said and done, you see where you stack up here. But the Yankees are going to be part of this thing. The rest of the way, no doubt about it. And I like this group that you're going to go forward with here for the next couple of months. I really and truly do. I mentioned it earlier. Both the Mets and the Yankees have the same record at this point in the season, which is crazy. You have to buy stock in one of these two teams for your life for the next two months. Who are you buying?
0: You're listening to the Dave Rothenberg Show podcast on ESPNNewYork.com. All right,
1: Stump Rothenberg is brought to you by the law offices of Andrew M. Cohen, and it's also brought to you by BetMGM Sports. All right, Dan Grosset here for Dave today, so it's a little Stump Rothenberg Grosset style. I I want you guys to bring it, you know? I could be pompous. I could be arrogant, just as good as anybody else. So now it's up to you. You got to bring it. You got to bring it hard. See what you got. And we're going to start right off the top here. With Chris and Beth Page, Chris is our Stump Rothenberg, leadoff hitter. Christopher, good morning. What's going on?
5: Good morning, Dan. Uh, a big shout out to Ty, by the way, who really makes the second go. I've been calling him for four years. Absolutely, love him. Ty's unbelievable. He really is. So I just want a big shout out, and uh, to his son Noah, too, as well. God um, bless
1: Noah. We love okay.
5: him. Okay. Okay. So, Dan, what was the first? International player drafted number one overall in the NBA. First, he was the first pick overall, first international player to have that uh, honor. Yao Ming? No. Yeah, I mean, do you want to ponder it or do you just want to shout out Yao Ming? I mean, no. yeah was a good guess, but he was later.
1: Um, this, guy the, this guy was in the late 70s. Michael Thompson, Clay's daddy. That's right. He was from the Bahamas.
5: It. Yep, there you go. Okay, and
1: forgot about him. Forgot about, him. and he's a great guy, by the way, Michael Thompson. Had him on many times, does Laker games, he's great. Forgot about Michael. That was a sneaky one. That was a sneaky one, Chris. That was like a little tricky question to start things off. Liked it. I liked it. See, I, you know, I, I gotta be honest with you. I had that problem in school growing up. I was one of those kids who never read the directions. Like, from start to finish on a test, I just, like, read the first couple lines. Like, boom, jumped right into the to thing. And it caused me problems on occasion. And that's what I did there with Chris's question. I didn't think it through. I just, boom, Yao Ming came right out, and I was wrong. Damn.
6: Wait, so am I giving you credit for it or no?
1: No, I got it wrong. Okay. I'll take the L. Okay, so I, I, I'll
6: I take the L. Screened I screened it. I nailed it. I will take the L. I nailed it immediately but I screened it.
1: You, scre- you got it immediately? I got it. Right, I got to bounce back. I got to bounce back. Um, Bruce and Piscataway is up next here on Stump Rothenberg slash Stump Grasa. Bruce, good morning. How are you? Good. Good morning. How you doing? Good, Bruce. What's going on? Um, not much. We got an entertainment question
5: for you today. Let's do it. Let's do it. What is the first movie to sell
1: a million copies on DVD? Oh, my God A million copies on DVD. So we're not even talking like VHS and all of the just, this is strictly DVD. DVD. We'll give you a hint hint if you want one. Okay, give me, of course, we need a
5: hint. All right, the star of the movie is no longer with him.
1: Oh my, boy, that's some hint. (laughs) (laughs) Ben Hur, how about that?
3: A little bit later than that.
1: Yeah. Uh, Jeez. How about how about a genre? Give me a genre. Like what kind of movie?
5: Uh oh boy. I don't know what would that be. Uh, Well, it wasn't
1: a drama. It wasn't a musical. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what kind of genre you'd call it. Uh, Is it an action movie? Is it a comedy movie? Is it a western? Is it a what are we talking? Nope. Not an action movie, not a Western, not a comedy. Well, it's Just an entertaining movie? A, a story.
6: It's considered a story drama, about music, a and romance.
1: Drama, music, and romance? It's oh. more, it would, I would, it, it,
3: yeah, it's, let's call it a romance.
1: What, a um, movie. can I get a year that the movie came out? Ty, can you at least provide me that?
6: 87.
1: I believe it was ni- 1987. 87? Oh, uh, and give me the genre one more time. You said it's like a musical. Is that what you said? Well, I had music in it. I call it, let's call it a ro- 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 romantic, romantic movie. Uh, About a couple. 1987. Oh, man. Um. Jesus. On TV quite a bit. It's on TV quite a bit. Um, yep. And this sold a million copies on DVD? The first movie to sell a million copies on DVD, correct. How would you stumble across something like this, Bruce? I'm just curious. <laughs> like Like the, Like this is, and, and I am, by the way, I am an, an expert in useless information this to me really <laughs> falls into that category.
5: Well, I, I found out about it when I just I went on the internet to read
1: about the movie. You know what? I'm gonna have to take the L on this one because I'm drawing a blank. What is it? The movie was Dirty Dancing. Oh, <laughs> darn it! That's a bad job by me. It's a bad job by me. Not one of my favorites. Not really my my thing. Ty, did you know that?
6: I did not know that.
1: No, I come on.
6: <laughs> that's an impossible question.
1: That's that's impossible. Like I, you know what? If I was him, I would have said that. You know, there was re, There's been re. Well, I mean, not for nothing. Like, what do you mean when I ask the genre? Like, what do you mean you don't know what category that is? Like, how else would you explain it? It's not. I mean, you're not going to say it's a war movie. You know, it's kind. It's a drama. It, it, it's a drama, right? It's it's it's. I would just say it's a drama. I wouldn't call it like a musical, well, like a romantic drama. Yes, right,
6: romantic drama.
1: Right. Dirty dancing. Yeah, I mean it was popular. You know what? You know what else you could have said if you wanted to help the host? You could have said the soundtrack probably sold multi millions in copies. That was a very very big soundtrack. Still is, right? Dirty dancing. The, the, the You know, the, the theme song, whatever That thing was like, and I remember it That that song was on the radio every six seconds instead, And you still hear it
6: today Instead, you had to settle for the star of the movie No longer with us No
1: longer with us I mean, we had to start it off on a morbid front And you know what? You want to go a little bit deeper The other star of the movie You could say that she's no longer with us In, in terms of no longer in the business She, I mean, you haven't seen her in 20 years I know she got her nose done, but other than that, I think that's the last time we've even heard about Jennifer Grey. Richard in Manhattan is up next year. i, I got to get back in the wind column here. Richard, uh, how are you this morning?
5: Hi, Dan. Dan. By the way, uh, Jennifer Grey said that was the biggest mistake she ever made was changing her nose. She had such a unique, pretty right. look before. Yeah, she should have never did it. Never, never. She got yeah, I don't you know, think
1: I don't think she I don't think she's ever or at least not that I've ever seen nah, her work nah, again that after the that show. She had a unique look, all her own. Now she looks like
5: everyone else. So she was she was great. <laughs> she looks like father everyone was, else. Her father was great. <laughs> I grew up with that guy on Broadway, Joel Gray. Wow. Correct. Those two powerful people. All right. Dan I've got a question. I am sure you will not get the answer. Mm-hmm. But afterwards I will tell you how you'll learn about it. Okay. Mm-hmm. What picture World Series at uh, No, long-time National League pitcher. Pitched against the Yankees as a 21-year-old in the World Series and then as a 35-year-old in the World Series against the Yankees. In other words, he pitched against the Yankees twice. Started two games against them. Once as a 21-year-old and once as a 35-year-old. Long-time National League pitcher.
1: Say it again? Can I get years? Like, what years are we talking about? I'll give you the two years Yeah, 1950 and
5: 1964. Long time left handed national league, not a Hall of Famer, but very good pitcher. Like that, like an Andy Pettit.
1: And he was in the and, and he was in the National League, you're saying?
5: Always in the National League, pitched against the Yankees in the fifty World Series, if you remember who played in that series, and in the sixty four World Series, two different teams.
1: And he was a lefty, you're saying.
5: Lefty. Mets used to beat him a lot in the early '60s. <laughs> that was one pitcher they can beat. Uh... As a matter of fact, before, se- before the season ended in '64, the Mets bombed him on that Saturday. The card against the Cardinals. They beat, they beat Gibson on Friday night, one nothing. Now Jackson. And then that Saturday, they bombed this guy. And then Gibson came, uh, came back in relief and, uh, on Sunday, and that's how they wanted to Get the world uh, pennant anyway. Kurt Simmons. He pitched for the Phillies in 50 as a whiz kid. That was the Philly team in whiz, that whiz kid. Rizzuto was the MVP of the World Series that year, and then 64. Uh, Dan, what you got to do, mm-hmm. have you you've heard of D- David Haberstam, the writer? Yes,
1: author, yes. you
5: you got to get his book 19, October 1964. One of the greatest books I've ever read in sports. It's about the 64 Yankees and the 64 Cardinals. He talks about everything, about the Yankees, about race relationships, about Mantle, about Gibson, Bill White, the the, the World Series. He talks about everything. You've got to read the book. David Halberstam, October 1964. One of the best sports books I've ever read.
1: I, I will look into that, Richard. A pleasure, Dan. Always a pleasure. Thank you. Okay, Kurt Simmons. Um... Kurt Simmons was not in my wheelhouse unfortunately
3: um,
1: Sorry. boy you know Ty we're off to a rough start here today uh, not
6: great man 0 and three.
1: We're off to a rough start um although I'm telling you with I, I, I'm still haunted by the dirty dancing one because I think that I would have got that one with some better clues you know like like I said the soundtrack one would have been like a huge huge giveaway there you just Brian need Ryan and Law-
6: to put it in the, put it in the pocket for you he threw it behind put him. it in the
1: pocket. Brian and Long Branch up next here on Stump Rothenberg featuring Dan Grasas. Brian, how are you?
3: Hey, how you doing? Good. Um, Yeah, I got got one for you. So there's two running backs. For the first time in NFL history, uh, a running back started their career with 500 carries without a fumble. And there were actually two players that did this last season.
1: Last year, two guys...
3: They hit 500 carries on their career without a fumble,
2: first time in NFL history it's happened.
0: Oh, um,
1: I, hit, I know I, I know one of them. Okay. Philip Lindsay. That, that's one. That's one. Okay. Um, no, because he's very very short handed. I know that about him. Very underrated back in my opinion. And there's another one.
3: There's another one.
1: Active player?
3: Active player. And here's the other, here's a hint. Mm. Neither of them got signed to second contract to their original team.
1: Ooh, I like that one. Um. So he's on, and we know that Philip Lindsey was underappreciated in um in Denver. They did him wrong there. Uh, <laughs> wow. Hmm. Uh, hang on. Let me think, let me think, let me think. You said active, so I don't, I, I, no, this guy's not active, active anymore. Who, who, active, who, who is and the and other they one? And they both,
5: they didn't get signed to a second contract. So they both played out their rookie deals
1: and signed somewhere else this offseason. I give up. Who's the second one? Jamal Williams. Jamal Williams in Green Bay. Well, formerly yeah, Green they, Bay.
6: So I will say one thing, Dan. Yeah. Typically how the segment works, you're only allowed to ask a question that requires one answer. So, technically, you got that one correct.
1: I got that one right. Yeah, that was – I mean, that's hard to ask, like, to name both, you know. And that's that's tough. That was a tough I'm, – I'm, you know what? I'm proud of myself for getting that one. That's a good one. Um. Jim and Highland up next. Here on 98.7. Jimmy, yes. good, morning. good morning. How
3: are you? Sports uh, trivia nicknames. One easy, one not so easy.
5: The Toy Cannon, the Toy Bulldog.
1: The Toy Cannon? Uh, oh. Jimmy Wynn is the cannon, correct? Yes. And that's going back a ways. I mean, you're going back to the old, uh the old court 45s for crying out loud. And the other one is the toy bulldog. Yes. Jeez, toy bulldog. I, I have no idea. Who, who, who's that? He's a boxer. Oh, I, I'd have no, I have no clue. Who is it? Mickey Walker. Mickey Walker. He was a oh, world I, champ. Yeah, I. You know what? Boxing is not exactly on my uh, list of expertise, Jim, but I appreciate the phone call. And Ty, correct me if I'm wrong. Doesn't that also fall into the category of what you just said you don't do? That was a two part question. Yeah, it's
6: a two parter, so you get credit for it. I get credit for from that one. 0
1: and 3 to 2 and
6: 3. So you're you hot know, right it, now, but.
1: It's not how you start, it is how you finish. It's how you finish. Uh, Dion and Queens up next. We're going to try Dion here. Dion, good morning. How are you?
5: good morning thanks for taking my call
3: my question is uh professional car racing oh my god who was the who was the first female professional car racer to both qualify for and compete in both the indianapolis and daytona 500s i i mean
1: not 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 for nothing i mean i'm gonna i'm gonna say danica patrick is that the answer
3: no Janet Guthrie oh. you know what I'm, I'm gonna be
1: honest with you I'm gonna be honest with you Dion I am thrilled for Janet Guthrie for what she accomplished her family, uh, her friends her associates, her colleagues her third grade teacher, everybody that she came in contact with in her life, that's an incredible achievement I have zero desire to even know that that even happened, none absolutely none I mean, what? What? Ty, is this a thing? Like, let's call up and ask questions about sports that we don't even talk about on this station, or like, I mean, what is this?
6: I, I'm just happy that you're thrilled for her family. That's important.
1: You know what I'm saying? Like, what is this? Like Nashville? What was this? Like, you know, Nashville radio, NASCAR, where it's like actually a thing? <laughs> NASCAR. I mean, what the hell? Glenn in Brooklyn. Glenn, bring us back to you know, sports we're concerned with. How are you?
3: Good. I'm going to bring us back down to earth with a very, very simple question. Yes. All right? Yes. Who is the all-time major league leader for pinch hit home runs?
1: Ooh. I like that because for a long time I knew who was the all-time pinch hit leader. And this guy, believe it or not, I and I know this, I know this because he's relatively modern. Had a fairly, look, I'd I say he had a decent career. I'm going to go out on a limb and say Matt Stairs. Is that correct?
3: All right, you got it. You nailed yeah. it.
1: There you go. See, we talk about closing strong, finishing strong. That's what we're doing. That NASCAR, I mean, come
6: on. I'm still bothered by the NASCAR one, tie. Three and four. i I've got. I've, we've run out of questions, but I've got two more for you. You I want to give them to me? Give them to me. I got you. I think I think you'll nail these. So one okay. is is it just happened today? What are you going to ask me? Something about horse racing? <laughs> I'm going to ask you about ping pong. Uh, so Kevin Durant, <laughs> Kevin Durant, this morning or last night, however you want to phrase it, passed or became the all-time Olympic leader in scoring for USA basketball. Who did he pass? Um, Carmelo. There we go. Oh! Yeah, come on. That's, that's like that's
1: like a warm-up question.
6: And one more from last night. Joey Vado is now homered in seven straight games. He ties or he matches this player for the most consecutive games with a home run by a player 37 or older.
1: 37 or older? Uh, uh, 37
6: or older? Um, don't overthink it. That's all I'm going to say. Don't overthink it. Well, he did it seven in a row, correct? Seven straight games.
1: Wow. Well, I know that Mattingly did it in eight, right? Griffey did it in eight.
6: But they were younger Which, than 37. So we're just, stri- but they, yeah, we're talking just consecutive home runs uh, by a player 37 or older. If you don't um, nail this, you, you are going to be kicking yourself. That's all I'm going to say.
1: Oh, I got it. I got it. Um, I'm gonna say how about this I'll try to make it colorful this answer hopefully will give this whole experience at least for myself a little bit of a shot in the arm And I'm going to say Barry Bonds. How about that? That, That's a
6: great pull. That's what I'm talking about. There you go. There you go. little shot in the arm. That's awesome. little infusion of energy. Five and four for you, my friend. So from 0 and 3 to 5 and 4.
1: And I'm sorry. I mean, you know what? The uh, the NASCAR question shouldn't even count. I mean, nobody cares about NASCAR. (laughs) You know, it's like I could come on here early in the show and I could talk about Seattle Mariners and I'm going to get crickets from the audience. And then meantime, I'm supposed to know about
6: NASCAR? I've got a water polo question for you. Yeah, well,
1: exactly. What, do you want to quiz me on some of these Olympic events and and what's happening there right now in Tokyo? Oh, my goodness. Well, good job by everybody involved. Really, that was a lot of fun. Now I know why Dave keeps coming back and doing this every Saturday. This is a lot of fun.
0: You're listening to the Dave Rothenberg Show podcast on ESPNNewYork.com.
1: If you listen to the station on a fairly regular basis, you probably know that uh, there is an event going on a little bit later on today in uh, North Jersey. It happens every year, most years, with the exception, of course, of 2020 because of the pandemic. and We didn't really do much uh, a year ago, but it, it, thankfully it is back and happening again later today. And that is the uh, charity softball game, which is organized and orchestrated and put together by uh our next guest and he is someone that you hear every single day on this radio station in the afternoon hours it is uh our good pal mr donald lagreca hi good morning don thank you for joining us
4: good morning how are you
1: oh i'm fantastic fantastic uh so this is a thing that we we've arrived it is it is it is softball day 2021 it's back it's here
4: yeah i look forward to this every year and it really just stunk last year we couldn't do it we tried and if you remember You know, last late July, early August, things seemed to be getting a little bit better. But I uh, talked to Anna Marie Sasso, who's the widow of Mark, and the reason we do this thing every year. I said, you want to do it right. You want to do it where people are comfortable, where people can come out. You want to just do it for the sake of doing it. I think people will understand. And we'll just hype it up as much as we can for for next year. And now we fast forward a year later. And, you know, are we completely out of the woods? No, but I I think we've kind of learned to live with this thing and, and kind of try to proceed forward so we'll be careful and uh if, if you want to wear a mask come out and wear a mask if you want to be safe or whatever but it's it's a good chance to get together it's free Wagfield, field wagra road hawthorne new jersey uh it starts about five o'clock there'll be games going on throughout the day because the winner of a tournament eventually plays and then destroys us that's why we got to doctor right. up the rules so we can be competitive um, so about you know, five o'clock or so, but there's going to be a lot of things that are getting auctioned off if you want to donate money and stuff, but the tickets are free. Come by, have some fun. Some really uh, cool people are going to be out there. Greg Buttle, who you're familiar with, obviously you're playing, Anita Marks, Gordon Damer, Chris Carlin, Ken Danico, Mark Ernay, who we're both very familiar with from 1010 Wins, Dan Rosen from uh, NHL.com is going to be out there. So uh, we're we're going to have a lot of fun and uh, it's all for a good cause and it, it's the great thing about uh, the tri-state area—I'm sure people out in Long Island and in the five boroughs can attest to this—but you know, when you live in a community like North Jersey, where I grew up in Hawthorne, everybody's really close, and they all rally around whenever somebody's in need. And when um, when Mark passed away back in 2007, uh, his uh, you know sister-in-law came to me, Teresa, about wanting to do this, and then. I got a chance to meet his widow, and um, I'm just so proud to be a part of this and to help out. We built the playground. Now we're having scholarships for kids in the area, so it's all going to a good cause. What year is this?
1: Like, what what, what year number game is this going
4: to be? Th- this is actually going to be 12. Uh, the first one was back in 2008. Um, one was missed very early on because of scheduling uh, conflicts with uh, the Sasso family and, of course, last year. So this will be the uh, the 12th. And there one. was
1: and there was one, if I'm not mistaken. Wasn't there one because it just, like, rained cats and dogs, and so the date had to be postponed, and then so it was like, didn't we end up doing one in, like, late September one year or something? That, that was really odd.
4: Yeah, we did. Yeah, we got rained out. That was actually, I want to say, maybe three years ago, and then we had to do it a little bit later on in September. But uh, for the most part, when you consider, you know, counting today, which looks like it's, it's going to be gorgeous, one of the best oh, yeah. days we've ever done it, that in in the eleven previous ones we've we, I think we had one weather delay and one postponement. So um, Ana Maria always says that Mark uh, kind of looks down and tries to control the weather, and he's done a, his, his uh, winning percentage is a pretty good one.
1: No doubt about it. And like you said, today is a ten. We're talking with Don Legreca here, of course. Sasso softball game a little bit later on today in Hawthorne. If you want to swing by at the Wag Field coming up at five o'clock, how do you feel about you know doing something? athletic and physical today uh you know we've all been we've all been kind of dormant over the last year pretty much so i mean how would you you know stack up as far as your own expectations for what you expect to provide in this game today
4: well i gotta tell you listen i i i was the kid growing up that loved jim jim was always on a tuesday if i remember when i was a kid in grammar school and i loved it i just loved activity but obviously my body's gone south on me and with all the work that we do isn't exactly, uh, you know, athletic. So you no. do a lot of sitting around, and my knees are bad. I'm sure I got a torn rotator cuff. My back is bad carrying 35 pound kids around all day. But this is the one day that I really look forward to. So I-, I love, I love running around, catching the ball, running the bases, trying to hit some home runs. So, you know, the 12 year old in me comes out every year to do this. And you know, I was talking to Peter Rosenberg, cause Peter is going to be coming today too that, um, you know, you just don't get a chance a lot to to do, you know, you exercise or whatever, walk, right. I've got my Fitbit, but to just be able to, to participate in something. And we all can play ball. You know, we all played wiffle ball or softball or baseball or something, and, you know, it's in our DNA. So I really look forward to this day. Now, fast forward to 10 o'clock tonight, Dan, when I'm, like, soaking in a tub and, like, it's bones I, and, and muscles yeah. I didn't know I had are going to be barking. Maybe I'll have a different tune, but uh, I look forward to this every year.
1: Yeah, you're going to be chucking down that Advil like it's Pez, just to be able to try to get rid of that muscle soreness, you know. And, and, and that's what it is. You empty the tank, and everybody goes through it. You empty the tank, you know, trying to get nostalgic, flashback to your youth, and then thinking you could go out there and do the things we used to do when we were younger. But then you're going to be paying the price for, you know, the next few days. But that, I, that, that comes in
4: territory. I, I can't. I, I know you play tennis, and you've been running like a maniac recently, and I don't know what's gotten into you. You know, it's your midlife I feel good crisis though. or whatever. I feel good, but, but honestly, I I got into sports cause I played sports, right. you know, I always loved sports, but I loved playing, you know, I always played, you know, baseball and basketball and football and, and I always just enjoyed playing. And then when obviously it, it looked like it wasn't going to be a route to, to actually doing it for a living, you know, I got cut from my college team, you know, it was just, I, it was the second nature to kind of just dive in, into it this way. So. You know, I I, I, never, uh, I never understood the people that were unathletic or just did not like to play that still loved sports. Like, it just seemed weird to me. Like, why are you so into it when you don't play it? Um, but so many people do. But I, I was always that guy that just uh, – uh, I really enjoy it because it was something I always wanted to do. And it's funny how these
1: – like you said, there's going to be games being played all day long from all the softball teams there. And normally, like, it, when you enter a competition, right – Once you, it's supposed to get harder and harder and harder the further you get. And then ultimately, like that last game, the championship round or whatever it is, that should be like your main competition. The way this thing works out, though, it's the complete opposite because they're actually going to be playing like quality opponents all day long. And then the winner is going to emerge and essentially get a layup and they're going to get to put their feet up and play our collection of Softball, yeah,
4: but then they get to play in front of an audience. They get to hang out with it. It the, the teams that we've played over the years have always have always been fun to play with. Like they get it right that it, it, it's just like a fun thing to do, and I think that they're kind of honored to be a part of it too because they they all paid to get into this, so obviously they wanted to donate to the charity. So they all they all kind of get. It. I'll get phone calls from people saying there's a team that's looking to get you. And you better hope that they lose because they're. And, and by the time we get to the championship game, it's all just in fun. They hit home runs, it's an out. We hit home runs, and they count as runs. We try to doctor it up so at least it's competitive. We don't want to have a Harlem Globetrotters, uh, you know, uh, Washington General situation going. But, yeah, uh, you know. Sweet uh, Georgia
1: Brown but, playing in the background.
4: But people will love this about that. The first time Dan played, now, again, I'm very, very competitive, but I also understand that. Winning or losing this game doesn't matter. It's just supposed to have fun, put on a show. Right. And the first time that you played, you know, we lost the game and you were you were crazy. you were like Derek Jeter. You just like, why do we even bother doing this? It's not even worth doing it unless we win. You're very competitive. Well,
1: no, what I remember, right, I was trying to rally the troops,
4: and I think that was, you
1: know, Kenny Albert was on the team that year. I remember him, and I just remember going up and down the you know the bench or whatever and just kind of – maybe I was kind of just clapping my hands, trying to psych myself up more than anything else, but I kind of was just repeating the mantra of, hey, guys, we came, we're here, we might as well win. Right. Otherwise, why did we even show up? I got other things to do on a Saturday. Right, if we're here, we might as well
4: try to win the darn game. Well, I'm with you, but then it just becomes to the point where you look at your team and then you've got by the time we get to the sixth <laughs> inning, they got guys, kids, you know, pinch running for them. Yeah, you know, asking exactly. out of the game, you know. But uh, Bill is our manager, and he's going to try to keep everybody in shape. But uh, I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be a lot of fun.
1: Well, I- I'm I'm going to tell a story. You know this story because I because I've told it to you, but nobody, uh, you know, obviously it hasn't been told on air. But I don't think he would mind me telling it. But just 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 a peek inside the mind of the great Greg Buttle. Right, who, of course, as you said, we both know very well in regards to the softball. And he'll be out there today, and he plays usually each and every year. So this either had to be last year or in 2019.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: Greg and I are sitting in the studio doing a Jet game, right, on, on an NFL Sunday. So this is in the fall. It, it might have been like October, November. I don't remember what week it was. And as I said, it, it was either night. It might have been last year, as a matter of fact. It might have been last year. During 2020, where because of the pandemic, we were in the studio doing every single Jet game. So, there was a lot of downtime. Team wasn't very good. You know, the the games were non-competitive a lot. So, we had a lot of time to ourselves just shooting the you-know-what talking. It's completely out of nowhere. Like, completely out of nowhere. Like, you could not be more off-subject. He just decides to pull out of thin air when there's been, like, dead silence in the room for almost five minutes. He says, did you play in the... Um Don Lagreca softball game last year, I said, no, I didn't play. Yeah, it had to be this year because he was referring to 19. He's like, did you play in the softball game in 2019? I said, no, I didn't play because I was injured. I had something going on in my foot. But I came to the event, and I sat in the bleachers, and I supported. And he goes, and I said, why? why like, why did that come up out of nowhere? Oh, because I you know, I, I, I thought you didn't play because you didn't think you are going to good. <laughs> And I'm just like, why? First of all, why would that come up out of nowhere? Like, I mean, think about how far away we were removed from that game—well over a year, anywhere from like 15 to 16 months after the fact. But yet, he sprung it out of just yeah. thin air at that moment. I thought
4: it was great. Well, listen, and, and there's um there's a history. You got to be careful. Uh, the, somebody always seems to hurt themselves. Okay. Oh my God. Alcatulo pulled a hamstring. Um, Scott Farrell took a line drive off of his foot, asked out You're of right. the game. And he's out. He's he's on the uh, in the bleachers with his wife, and his wife says to him, "This is softball. Get back out there." <laughs> so he limps back out there. But I had to hear that for like a month. He took a long drive. I remember that. A yeah. few years ago, Chris Carlin, the first time he played, in, tore ligaments in his thumb. So yeah, I don't know whether it's just because of how unathletic oh, some of these people can are, I, can or I it add does another get one? competitive. But can I Who- add
1: another one from 2019, the last time we played? And I like I said, I didn't play because I was my foot was messed up. I'm sitting in the bleachers kind of sort of right behind home plate. So I have a clear view of it. I'm not that far away. Our pal Marty Lyons running down the third baseline to home plate, and I saw the darn thing happen like in a movie when it's slow motion and you see almost like something like tower to the ground and everybody's screaming, no. Yes, I saw him face plant, right? Remember, he lost his footing. Yeah, face planted right into the infield dirt. There, cut up his his uh, mouth and everything. It was an. I was scared like hell. I like got off and like ran down, and thankfully like other people got to him first. Like I, I he looked like he might have been in bad shape. And you know, no. Marty's a tough guy. He's a defensive lineman. You remember that? That was a nasty spill. No, he
4: was. There was blood all over his face, like a true blood moment. Like he just like oh, like real a carnivore blood. Yeah, and and I still have pictures because we'll, like we'll take pictures with each other and stuff. There's still like pictures. Where it's like me, Greg, and Marty, and Marty's got like blood all over his face, like a <laughs> demon, and people are like, well, "What kind of event is this?" Yeah, so you forget that one. That was uh, that was a moment, but he sucked it up. He kept playing. Um, unfortunately, Marty had a thing; uh, he had to cancel at the last minute. Otherwise, we would have basically the whole Jet contingent there with you and Greg and Marty. Bob Wachusen's coming this year, so Bob oh, is, is going to be there. Okay. So, like the entire Jet broadcast would have been there if we didn't lose out on Marty, but. Bob's going to come in and play for the first time. So, listen, it's great. Come by, say hello. It's a lot of fun. It's for a great cause and the the, the weather's great and every, everybody's really like into it. So, I'm glad you're playing. I'm glad you gave me a couple of minutes to talk about it, but uh it's it's going to be a super day. Love the weather and uh, oh, it's great. bringing bringing the kids out cuz now now the twins they're they're going to be 3 years 8 months. So, they are starting to get baseball. He was holding the glove before, so I'm kind of looking forward to getting them to, to see their dad play and um and, and also seeing people, man. I I've seen yeah. who is this? Like going on 17 months. I've seen you twice. You know, right. I I've seen I've seen your wife once since this pandemic. I I have I, these are people I have been, I have not seen Greg during the pandemic. I haven't seen Bob. I have I haven't seen Chris. I've worked with Chris. I've seen him on television, but I haven't like actually you know, shook his hand in such a long time. So that's why I'm looking forward to it. Like, literally, I have not seen, you know, these people. Some of them I haven't seen since the last Sasso one we played two years ago. It's crazy. And it's
1: true. I'm probably with you with some of them. You know, it it, it really has been that long. But it should be a great time. It should be a great day. And like I said, the weather could not be more picture perfect. And uh, it should be a blast. So everybody come on out. If you're not doing anything, 5 o'clock later today, Wagfield, hawthorne new jersey uh you get to see a bunch of people go out there and uh well make fools of themselves on some occasions but we have a good time and it's all, all for a good cause appreciate a couple of minutes thanks for uh checking in here and uh i guess i'll see you later this no. afternoon
4: oh and anita marks just text wants to know if she can bring her dog well peter's bringing bear so bring the animals too just make sure built, they wear a mask
1: they should have built a uh, like a dog park there you know so the dogs can have some fun
4: well, there's that's a big thing
1: it. now, like dog parks. That wasn't a thing like growing up. You didn't see like, like this is where I grew up. Like there weren't dog parks near like whatever playground you used to play at. But now that's like that's a thing. Dog yeah. parks.
4: We're evolving as a race of people, uh,
1: apparently, and a species, and we're bringing the dogs with us. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Thank you for checking in. I appreciate right, it. I will see you later. There's Don LaGreca, Uh Sasso softball game today, five o'clock, uh, over at Wagfield. <laughs>
0: You're listening to the Dave Rothenberg Show podcast on ESPNNewYork.com.